This is Total Retail Tech Insights. The content retail executives need to optimize their use of technology throughout their organizations. Hello, welcome to this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. I'm Joe Keenan, Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail. I am joined on today's episode by Yuna Kim, the Senior Director of Integrated Performance Media at Merkel, as well as Jennifer Lee Harrison, the Vice President of Demand Generation at Carter's. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Jennifer and Yuna. Well, hello. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So I think to, uh, before we get started, I think it would be helpful for our audience if you could give um, each of you rather give a brief overview of your role and a little bit about your professional background. I'll start with you, uh, with you Jennifer. Well, I am the vice president of Demand Gen at Carter's. I have been in retail now for almost, I'm going to age myself, guys, 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> and um, in multiple different retail roles. But my core role here at Carter's is to drive the media investment strategy, as well as how we build our brands within the media landscape. Um, and I would say I take on a lot of ancillary projects wherever they want to find um, me to be a benefit. So uh, that's me in a nutshell. Right. Useful across the organization, which is very helpful. Uh, so I'm going to ask the same of you, Yuna. Tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your background, your role at Merkel. Yeah, so I'm the Senior Director of Integrated Performance Media at Merkle. Uh, my background has always been advertising, never really left. And in the last 10 years, um, I've been heavily focused on buying and planning media in the programmatic landscape um, with the usage of first party and third party data, content and platform strategy. I think my professional partnership to date with Jennifer has been how do we make complex issues seem simplified so that people outside of media could really understand how the ad, the creative, the tech, and the data all comes together to help drive business KPIs come to life and to success. Great. <clears throat> well, that provides a good overview of each of your um, roles within your individual companies. Um, on more of a macro level, as we record this episode, we are just really right in the thick of the Q4 holiday shopping season, um, sort of uh, getting ready and, and prepared for um, the rest of the year. I'm interested in kind of uh, each of your takes. Um, obviously, the pandemic has had a major influence on, on retail, particularly companies such as Carter that have uh, Carter's that have brick and mortar um, locations as well. Just kind of your take on where we are as the you know industry stands today. Um, forecasts are for a very strong Q4 um, and holiday season. Um, let me know kind of what you guys think about where we're at and kind of the state of the current industry. Yeah, I'll jump in um, and, and speak to that. Um, you know, I would say with working in retail in different industries, because I believe that retail, if you sell a service or, or, or a good, you are in retail, right? Because you're, 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 you are selling something. And, um, but retail in the apparel industry, uh, I would say that fourth quarter, as what you first mentioned, this to me is the Super Bowl, right? To retail. This is most retailers, this is when they close the books to say whether or not they made sales goals. So the high level of intensity of, you know, week to week sales. Um, comping hour to hour. This is an ongoing conversation. 
that we have all through fourth quarter, but actually that we have all year long. And what the pandemic has done or, ha or what the pandemic did for most retailers, it showed where they were strong in their business and where there was big opportunities. And so for us, we took um, some high level risk. Um, what we decided is that we were going to remove coupons out of our strategy and that we were going to stop being so reliant on the discount on top of discount on top of discount strategy. Because what most retailers that have taken a fall this year or starting last year into this year, primarily was because they, their profit margins was running so slim that any kind of blip threw their business off. And we were going in that direction and we made the decision that we was gonna reset our business strategy and be more focused on fewer, fewer units at a higher quality and maintain more of our profit margin. And that has really proven to be the success of what we have occurred during the pandemic. However, what it also occurred, what, what it, you know, then translated into is how do we count next year? How do we count this year? So every week we're having the same conversation. And sometimes I want to say guys, and I have, <laughs> um, you will realize during this interview, I, I'm, I'm pretty straightforward. Um, we can't keep looking in our rear view mirror if we're trying to build roadmaps for the future of our business, because comping this year at the same time, it's not going to happen. Ecom, we are, we're now, stores are open. People are going back to the stores, but our business model has shifted. We were once more of a, a storefront business versus an e-com business. We're not going to comp last year's e-com because there was no stores. I mean, they were open, but people weren't going. Right. So it's all of these things that we're trying to almost stay in the past, but say that we want to build the next gen retail business. And many retailers, not just Carter's, is in the same predicament trying to figure out what does that new roadmap look like? I'm going to have one follow-up for you, Jennifer, because I think it's really interesting before I get your response to this initial question, Yuna. My follow-up for you, Jennifer, is um, you mentioned kind of a shift in mindset, less of a focus on units sold, more of a focus on margin on those units sold. Yes. And you've become less promotional, promotional in terms of the use of discounting. How did your customers react to that? Did you find that your customers were heavily dependent on couponing or maybe you found out, you know, what we were giving away margin when we didn't need to because they didn't really need that cut, that coupon to make a purchase. What was kind of the initial reaction? How have you adjusted when you kind of changed that mindset? So th that is a, a perfect segue to what I was, you know, talking about because we, we actually didn't know we were preparing, but we were preparing for this. Um, our consumer insights team had done some deep dive into profitability prior to the pandemic even hitting and identified that we had segments that we were not, I would say, spending a lot of time nurturing um, new customer segments and that our customer segments that we had in our database and our customer file, they were very reliant on the coupon. 
So although we still have great prices for within our category, we know that we have to speak to each of these customer audiences differently. So when we have our 40 and 50% off, our existing customers are still here, they're purchasing, and we're not disappointing them. Do we get some backlash of the coupons being removed? Yes, but those were, I would say, our customers that really only shopped us when we were deeply, deeply discounted anyway. So what we're doing is, is we're going after customers that have, or targeting customers that have a less sensitivity to price fluctuation. So Yuna, um, let's talk about the role that, that Merkel can play in this and how you work with Carters. I know I asked kind of on a macro level across the industry, Talk about your perspective there. Obviously, many retail clients at Merkle, and then maybe you could talk about kind of some of the work you're doing with Carter's, what Jennifer was just speaking to. Yeah, so just piggyback on Jennifer, as, as Carter shifted towards, like, how do we get profit margin up with fewer units? We really had to set the media tone in, on how are we going to retain the customers that we had last year that is um, more keen on promotion, right? More keen on coupons. We don't want to leave them behind, right? Just because a business changes and the model changes doesn't mean that we should stay away from those customers. And But then at the same time, how do we get new customers that are new to Carter's and they don't need promotions? They don't need coupons to purchase because they love the product and they love the, the value and the conversation that these products are going to bring for their family as they're dressing your firstborn, you know, or your family shoots. So it was really about messaging and getting them into a journey that works best for them. And that makes sense for their each of their purchase. And that could be in a media strategy where for new customers, our first touch point is going to be something like non-brand text. They don't know about us, but they know that if they're looking for denim, um, we should be in that space as the Oshkosh is a premier denim brand for all children. And so we're going to show up there. If they're looking for cute matching outfits for their siblings for a family shoot, we're going to appear there. So instead of saying Carter's is for, you know, Carter's brand and promotions and coupons, we were actually looking at their life, um, lifestyle choices, life events, to show up in the moments that make sense for them. And then we kind of blend in rather than saying buy Carters, buy Carters all the time. And if you look at kind of what we did last year with Q4 Brand Anthem, where we celebrated parents, especially new moms who decided to have babies in COVID, um, all the way to this quarter's um, May for This video, where we're amplifying moms and parents who are in this journey with us through COVID, um, and not only are they not able to experience parenthood the normal way, they're going through it on top of this pandemic that is surrounding them where they're not able to take their baby out or they're able to see their family. So I think when you see messagings like that, we're not just about saying great product, we're actually being emotionally invested in this parenthood and their journey. And Carter's is going to be part of that, whether that is buying a product or buying a gift. So I think that's kind of where Merkel and Carter's have really invested in messaging our customers in a way that they understand 
where what we're trying to message them, but at the same time, we're not leaving customers behind because we're changing our business KPIs. Yeah. And I, I want to chime in a little bit to add to that. Um, you know, Yuna, this is a great opportunity for Yuna and I to reflect, right? We're at the end of the year and we've been, you know, making so many adjustments to the way we came to market. And what Yuna just sparked, you know, you sometimes forget how much you do in a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, she sparked something that made me, what we've been talking about internally, and I guess it's just that we chose to say we want to be more emotionally connected to our customer versus promotionally connected to our customer. Because the one thing that what just out of my experience of retail, there's always going to be a retailer who can beat you in price. There's always going to be someone who can cut their prices lower, that have you know more supply chain, that has more door fronts, that they can beat you in that space. But what you can't take away that we have the right to play in is to be that number one baby's brand for new moms because we've done it for 156 years. So now we we've played up on the fact that we know you and what you need. And so and but we also don't want to come off as an old iconic brand because that's not what we are. So we've been introducing new product lines that have organic and sustainability fabrics in it. We've also added in a lot more fashion focus, like Eunice mentioned of our Oshkosh denim new relaunch of the brand. So we are really looking to be that next generation, next retailer for the next generation of moms by taking everything that we know and applying it to our business to be the market leader, but then adding all of those emotional connections with her. Yeah. Trying to be that trust, you know, creating those trusted relationships with your consumers, um, you know, is what you speak to. And I think it's a perfect segue into my next question, Jennifer, in terms of you just said it, you, you know, it's a 156 year old brand, but you don't want to be viewed just as that. You don't want to rely so solely on your history. You want to be a modern brand that's adopt adapting and evolving, which leads me into my question in terms of tell us a little about how Carter's has shifted its approach to capture kind of the modern consumer's attention especially with all that's going on around, you know, in the world today um, and building those trusted relationships and your work with Merkel. Yeah. So I would say, you know, like, uh, you know, Yuna mentioned, we've been doing a lot of work of understanding our customer. Um, and I think that, you know, as again, I hate keep, you know, saying how I'm an old veteran in this, but you know what uh, many retailers, you know, made the mistake or I would say did not focus as much on is consumer insights because they really focus more on a product. So they were product more, more product focused versus um, I would say customer centric and customer focused. And that was also a very strategic decision that was made is that we are going to be overly obsessed about our customer. We want to totally understand where is she inspired. So some work that we're doing right now with Merkel is some customer journey mapping and customer experience from the, how do we inspire her? Where is she inspired? Is that Pinterest? Is that through um, influencer uh, campaigns where we have, you know, peers really kind of, you know, standing for our brands versus us touting our brand, but, you know, the people who shop us do that. Um, so we really have put a lot of focus in understanding, testing, and learning 
focus groups, you know, doing KMB studies, because what we want to do is constantly evolve our business that better fits within mom's life. And what things that we've learned is one peer groups, they, they take their recommendations way more than us, you know, shouting out um, commercials on TV or linear TV or CTV. Um, but we know we have to get scale there, right? And then, you know, we've learned that um, having more, in, like, uh, I would say content that's not all about price, that is more about um, how we make mom's life easier through services like BOPIS and curbside. So we really have taken a different approach in general about who we are and what role will we play in that next generation of moms. Yeah, and you and I, I want to follow up and ask you in terms of Jennifer's point about really understanding the customer and being able to communicate with them and, and connect with them. Talk about the data end of that and you know how Merkle is aiding in, in Carter's efforts to really better understand its customers. Yeah, so I think what's what has transpired and what's interesting for me when I go talk about Carter's media plan with our media partners, the first thing they say is scale, right? They go, you know, we can reach 280 million adults in the US. And I go, I don't care if you can reach 280 million adults, right? Because they're not all going to be in market for Carter's, right? So the scale I need, and, and, and I think this also changed the way we go about media approach, is not about how much budget we have, right? It's, it's how much market penetration we want to have for a, a specific KPI or a specific brand. And when you start thinking that way and when you start planning that way, it, it, gets, it, it evolves data science, right? It evolves customer um, understanding and audience insights. It's not like we're just saying, hey, scale this and then find me all the adults that's going to purchase. And when you start planning that way, um, you really get into the insights of who your customers are. And so after we run a test, we know a little bit more about them than we started before. And then we tweak that. And it could be a minor tweak that none of us thought about. And then how do we then use that data that we now have to retest and retest and retool to really finite the universe of the population that we're going after? And then we also use that attribution or the audience insight, not just into the platforms that we're buying into or the media placements that we have partnership with, but we also take that feedback to the creative team to say like, what are things from here that we do know about these audiences that could really get their attention with the creative, right? That's our first touch point, right? Like, you know, how do we get, you know, customers to be like, wow, I really resonate with that. I could really see my child in that outfit. I actually see myself in that ad and, and being that lifestyle. So I think it has been evolved into rather than just like media and demand gen, now the retail's involved, right? Now the product's like, oh, that customer likes green jumpers over red. They like jeans and jean jackets over dresses. Like, so when you start thinking that it, I'm getting goosebumps, it creates a dialogue. Now the merchandise team wants to get into our media planning discussions, right? The product wants to get it and go, tell me what these customers are looking for. So, and then you think about that and then, then you realize this is not just an ad. 
this is an entire corporation really thinking about the audience and then placing as the first impression of that brand so that they, when they visit the site, it's a world that they are comfortable with. It's a world that they want to be part of and it's a brand that they'll be loyal to. That is so, you said it so like, <laughs> um, I mean, because again, I, like I said, Joe, uh, if looking back at how much I would say, you, you know, it's, it takes a village. It's not just you and I, but that what you and Yuna and I connected on, I, I started at Cardis almost a year ago and we connected from day one, right? And because she knew that, you know, my vision was that media should play a bigger role in the organization and have a have more of a voice at the seat at the table. But what the thing that she just brought to light, and I and I didn't think about it this way, is how much we have evolved and have a different place in conversation because we are meeting with the merchandising teams and the buying teams, and when there is a moment where business is a little sluggish, they're calling the media team to say, how can we become more meaningful to our customer? What, what are you seeing? And we weren't able to do those things, I would say, earlier on, because we weren't making analytics as a first point of conversation. We weren't using our data as or the sophistication that we could get to in order to help support how the media channels could actually help drive the total business. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'm going to touch on something you said earlier, Jennifer. You mentioned just where we are in time of year and, you know, this being sort of the Super Bowl of the retail season and seasonal businesses. So for this upcoming holiday season, we're, you know, right in the middle of it here. Uh, I'm interested in your approach at Carter's in the media planning. Um, anything you've done differently this year, perhaps versus last year, obviously with stores being more of a factor this year, how you're communicating with your customers, maybe that comes into play. Maybe the, um, you know, the, the, the fact that we talked about being a little bit more um, less promotional and, and more profit driven and more margin focused um, and how that factors into media planning and what you're doing for the messaging this holiday season. Tell us a little bit about your strategy for 2021 holiday. Yeah. So, you know, I would say um, last year we did this amazing video called brand Anthem and it was really focused on the current state of uh, I would say the climate, right. Is that, you know, all this was going on, all these things were going on outside of our doors, you know, unable to go to um, stores and shop, um, having to wear a mask, so much, so much turbulence that happened, that was happening outside our doors. But there also was little gems and beauties that were happening. And that was, there were new additions to people's family during the pandemic. Um, there were new babies being made during the pandemic. And what we wanted to do is celebrate that with all that's happening outside, when this little joy, this little bundle of joy with these little hands and little feet, even if the worst things are happening, they change everything in your life. They bring that natural joy that, that nothing else can really fulfill. And so that was like our first foray into like being that very emotional, showing the really true emotion that we could display in the brands. And we got great feedback from our customers. So this year, you know, again, wanting to understand the customer's feeling, 
what we knew is that this now is the like Super Bowl of Christmas, right? Because we get it back this year. Now, are we still in mass? Yes. Are there still some challenges? Yes. You know, but at the end of the day, you're, there's going to be people that you meet for the very first time this holiday. And we wanted to tap into that. And we wanted to tap into the joy of you're made for this. And so that's our campaign is built around. It's that all things that can happen, we as parents, we can never properly prepare. There's no book. I, I don't care. I read the book for both of my children, uh, what to expect, when expected. And it still could not outline all the things that went on as a new mom or a second mom time, time around. So we really wanted to highlight that mo both mom and dad, you're made for this. And that's what our campaign was leaned into this year. Yeah. Yona, could you uh, add anything on the kind of Q4 and holiday planning and what, what uh, Carter's has out in market this year? Yeah, I mean, I think Q4 planning um, for us, it's, it's getting our message out there early. Um, consumers are shopping earlier. Um, they are also a little bit anxious about the cost of not only inflation, but also logistic issue around shipments being held up. But we also did it like in an, not in an invasive way where it's all of a sudden holidays and Carter's just showed up, right? It's been kind of a steady go, right? Where when moms or parents or grandparents sees us, it's not like we're just here and be like, hey, we want your wallet for Christmas. Um, but really just kind of touching with that may for this, right? Again, provoking that emotion, being part of their life, being part of their life events and, and, and being having the right to own that space because we are the legacy brand and we have the knowledge and we've been with you um, through all this. And I think our also again for Q4 approach will be kind of meeting the meeting the consumers where they need to be. So, so letting them know when the shipping cutoff dates are um, messaging that so that they feel comfortable at ordering from Carter's or shopping online and being having accessibility to get their gifts on time, but also giving them alternative options in the event that they forgot a loved one or they had a new person pop up um, through e-gift cards or gift cards that they could send directly via email or could easily be sent physically. So um, really accommodating to um, you know, holidays, timing, seasoning, busy moms, busy parents. So really getting them a array of options to shop with Carter's in a more convenient way. So we've talked a lot about where we're at now currently. Um, going to ask the two of you to kind of put your forward thinking <laughs> caps on here and, and give me some insights or at least what you're predicting, um, not only for Carter's, um, but you can also take this on a more of a, an industry-wide perspective on predictions for 2022, how you potentially see the consumer behavior evolving, if continuing to, um, any new trends, what do you think we'll be talking about maybe this time next year? I'll let you start, Jennifer. Well, I will say this. Um, the one thing that I think that the pandemic did in many different industries, not just apparel retail, is that customers expect more for their brands than they ever have before. Service, the services you offer are going to be just as important and the convenience that you offer to your customer is going to drive how customers I would, is going to interact with your brand and or just buy from you in general like that. Because, and when I say that, let me give an example. Um, 
curbside pickup, BOPIS, that's only going to increase of their expectation. They're going to want more technology that they can order from, you know, the app and that the, you would have like car set up, like car, car parking lots just specifically for picking up the bio line and pick up its store. They're going to want these things. They're going to want when they show up that that immediately their, their mobile app is um, dinging saying that, you know, the sales associate is coming out. The advancement of those things are not going to change. Mom, families are going to expect this across the industry. They're going to want, you know, even for technology to help them with how they shop, with being able to serve them up, what are the recommendations, serving the, giving them opportunity to kind of do uh, virtual like fitting rooms, like these things that, I would say brands had to do to keep their lights on during the pandemic has set a different expectation for the customers. And that is going to be hard for many retailers, right? Because especially retailers that were birthed out of brick and mortar and not from e-com and digital base, there's a lot of shift and change that's going to happen with that. Um, I think that where, you know, inflation is not going to change. I think the supply chain challenges are going to continue. And so we're going to have to become more agile, um, more nimble with how we approach our business. Going back to my original statement, looking in the rear view mirror, we have to forget what happened after 2020, because this is a new day and it's not going to be the same way we drive our business anymore. How about your perspective, Yuna? I know um, Jennifer gave, gave some great thoughts there. Anything different that you would like to add? Yeah, so I think from a media perspective, brands should be ready for how to captivate audience attention fully. So even during this meeting, right, like I'm on my Zoom, but I also have my phone. Um, and so when you look into multiple devices and one of the interesting things I've recently encountered is if you're on your iPhone now, you can actually minimize like HBO Max or Netflix. So it'll like play on the corner of your screen while you can browse the internet or do email. So even within devices, there's now more things a user can do. So when you, when you take that into consideration, that couple of multiple devices, how is your ad going to stand out? How is brand going to be remembered? And how are you going to stand out of the noise and the clutter? So I think that's something in 2022 brands should especially be concerned about. And that opens up a wider conversation with the creative team, right? Again, going back into more business channels should be focused because that ad impression is really pinnacle of what a brand will look like and how brands will be interacted. So, you know, creative refresh is really understanding what creatives are being served to the customers is no longer just about having to be pretty, but has to resonate, evoke that emotion. So people remember you. Um, and then secondly, I think to Jennifer's point, technology is going to be heavily influential in terms of what and how brands are being purchased by users. So Instagram, so social e-commerce is gonna grow ever, right? People don't need to leave Facebook or Instagram to make a purchase. So when you don't have your website environment to scream out your brand 
positioning and brand power like how do you get through that noise so when they buy your first product at instagram they have or they need or want to go to your website externally and look at more products so how do you create that noise and the emotions and need um, through use of technology platforms um, and then really stand out against many competitors um, in the space and i want to add one additional thing i'm sorry joe um, that I feel as though this is more from the customer's lens, but I think that this is also coming from the perspective of brands have to be more diverse than they ever have been and how they illustrate their customers and how they talk to different diverse uh, consumers. I think that there was a day and time where, where brands felt as though there was a one size fit all, um, that you could do that um, if you have overconsumption of African-Americans and Hispanics and linear TV, you, you don't have to buy specific channels. You can just buy in general market, you know, um, uh, networks and you will still grab them. Customers are way too lean, uh, focused on how are you showing up as a brand and how, how inclusive are you from the perspective of what you do in the community, how you represent yourselves in your site, within your store. It is so hyper-focused and intense. You're seeing so many brands having to say, wait a minute, are we inclusive enough? Are we showing, showcasing all people that actually support our, our business? Yeah, I think that's an Excellent point, Jennifer, in terms of, you know, especially now with consumers, there's so much to, to uh, you know, what we said earlier, and there's always going to be another option that they can choose from. Consumers are going to want to buy from brands that they feel share their common values, are embracing things such as diversity and inclusion. They don't, you know, they're going to spend their hard-earned money with brands that they connect with. They're not going to, you know, so that's a, gr that's a great point. Um, this has been a, a really insightful and, and, and open and an engaging conversation. I want to uh, take the opportunity to first thank Jennifer Lee Harrison, the Vice President of Demand Generation at Carter's, as well as Yuna Kim, Senior Director of Integrated Performance Media at Merkel, for joining us on today's episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. Thank you, Jennifer, and thank you, Yuna. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Tech Insights is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Tech Insights.